Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. Good morning. We are so glad you're here. Let me just echo what Pastor Chuck said at the top of the hour. We are thrilled you're here. If you're new around here, welcome. We say a lot around here, welcome home. This is a place you can know people and belong and be connected to. And uh, in fact, if this is your first time here, I'd love to get to meet you right after the service, right through the side door where you see the exit light lit up. I'd love for you just to swing by the meet and greet. We got a gift for you and we'd love to say hello and just thank you for being here today. If you've been around here a while, uh, welcome back. Uh, Last week, Pastor Chuck had an incredible message that was all about kindness. And so if you missed last week, jump online today. You can go to the website and under resources, there's a replay button. Or if you're on iTunes, there's the podcast. I want to encourage you, listen to the lesson. It was all about why is kindness so random? We've all heard that phrase, random acts of kindness. And and sort of his big point was it shouldn't be so random. And I think that's true. It shouldn't be random. But in our world, there's just not a lot of kind people, are there? There's just a lot of angry, angry people. A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I, Laura, we were um, at this random, uh, r- random ice cream shop. It was off the beaten path. I, I don't remember. I don't, I don't know. We we're like, hey, there's ice cream. And I was like, let me pray about it. Yes, amen. I think it's always in the will of the Lord to have ice cream, isn't it? That is the most amen I've ever heard in this church since I've been here in seven years. You're like, preach. Do we have ice cream now? Is that all right, right? Uh, So we went in this random ice cream shop and there's this girl uh, working there and she greeted us. And I don't remember exactly what she said, but she's like, hey, welcome, you know, whatever that is that she said, I I don't remember. But what I do remember is my wife, who's one of the kindest people on the planet, and I'm not just saying that to get bonus points as a husband because she's sitting there, but I thought that'd be funny, but it wasn't. (laughs) Awesome. That wasn't kind. Uh, so my wife, Laura, looks back at the girl and says, hi, how are you? And the girl is confused. I mean, she's got this confused look on her face. She's taken back and she's like, excuse me? And Laura just repeats it. She's like, I was just asking you how you're doing. And this girl looks at us and says, nobody ever asked me that. And this is a reminder that we need kindness. We need the, that simple act of saying, well, how are you doing? That simple act of acknowledging that those flesh-colored things in the peripheral of our vision, those are people. And they, they have value because they're created in the image of God. And so we should be kind to them. Kindness shouldn't be random. It shouldn't be something we do just when it's on the calendar or some special event or the end of the year when we're thinking about holidays, that kindness is something that shouldn't be random. So I wanna invite you to listen to the podcast, rewatch the service if you missed it that we need to be kind people. And so as I was writing this week's message, I thought about her kindness, and then quickly God brought up an unkind moment in my life recently. I haven't even told Laura this. About a month ago, I'm leaving home to come to the office. I'm on my way to church to work for God, right? And so my my, uh, neighborhood is off of 20, which with the construction going on is a real blessing. And so to get on 20 to come to work, I have to take a left onto 20, which is the hardest way to get onto 20. And so traffic's crazy and you're sitting there, you're waiting for just the right moment to get out, just the right moment, just when you think it's there, it's gone. 
And then, then I see there's this car coming on 20, coming from my right. They're going to take a left into my neighborhood. And so the unspoken rule, if you live in Avonlea Creek, is that if you're going to turn into the neighborhood, you're on 20, you should slow down and you should stop and you should let anybody that's trying to get on 20 to get on to 20. That would be the kind thing to do, right, Daniel? That would be the kind thing to do. But instead, this person doesn't slow down. They've got the blinker on, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. I'm like, they're gonna slow down, they're gonna stop, they're gonna let me out. And yet they turn in front of me and I miss that one half a second moment that I can actually get out on 20. So now I'm stuck for another five minutes. And so here's my response. My response is, I can't believe you did that. Have you ever had one of those moments in the car where you're like motioning at the person? This is the church version, right? Hey, it's my story. I can tell it how I want to, right? <laughs> I can't believe it. And uh, then after they drive by, it dawns on me, I think I know that person. <laughs> and I've got a Sugar Hill Church sticker on the back of the car. And I just gave them one of these, right? And it's this reminder that we need kindness in our life. And so this morning, I want to pick up on that idea. How do we keep kindness from being so random? In fact, next week, we've got a great uh, tag team kind of lesson planned for next Sunday. So if there was a week to miss in the kindness kind of series, this was the week to miss. And so congratulations, you blew your one miss week, all right? So you gotta be back next week. But my question today is, what's that missing ingredient that keeps us from becoming more intentional with our gifts? What, what's the, what's that, that missing thing that keeps us from living out of kindness consistently? What, what's that thing that if we were to plug it back into our lives, it would help us to live kindness and gentleness and the fruits of the Spirit more consistently? So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to follow along. Or if you have the Sugar Hill Church app, you can look in the resource section of the app to find the notes. And it's got all the scripture in it as well. But in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is writing from a jail cell. He's literally locked up for his faith. He's been sharing Christ and the people in charge didn't like it. And so he's writing from jail and listen to what he says in Ephesians four, verse one. He says, I therefore a prisoner of the Lord. This isn't a metaphor. This isn't a happy little object lesson. He's literally a prisoner for the Lord. He says, I therefore a prisoner of the Lord urge you to walk in a manner that's worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Walk worthy in a manner that's worthy of the calling to which you, we could hang out there for a month. I wish we could hang out there today, but again, I'm gonna invite you back next week and the week after that. But listen to what he goes on to say, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility, with all gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit that's in the bond of peace. And so here's what Paul does. He takes chapters one, two and three of Ephesians. He takes all this heady knowledge of the theology that God has rescued us and he saved us from darkness and he's placed us into his kingdom of light. So he takes all of this weightiness, all of this heavy teaching and he says now in chapter four, here's what I want you to do with this. I want you to live it out and here's what it looks like when you live it out. Humility, it looks like gentleness, it looks like patience. It looks like bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of spirit in the bond of peace. And then listen to what he goes on to say. For there is only one body 
There's one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. He's saying, look, we're in this together. We're not fragmented. If you know Christ personally, we're part of the same body. And then here's what he says, verse six, one God and father of all, who is over all, who is through all, and who is in all. And then listen to what he says here in verse seven. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. This is where I want to hang out today. The missing ingredient in kindness becoming less random, the missing ingredient in gentleness and self-control, other fruits of the Spirit becoming less random, is by us to live out of the spiritual gift that God has given us. And so this morning, there's a lot that we could say, but I want to camp out here, and I want to talk about the fact that you have a spiritual gift. So if you have something to write on, if you've got the message notes page in the bulletin, or you've got the app, and you just want to follow along, what I want to do is I want to describe what this looks like. I want to give you the characteristics of the spiritual gift, because as Paul is writing, as he's saying, all right, here's how you translate this theology into real life. The way that you do this is by the gift that Christ has given you. So if you're taking notes, number one, your spiritual gift, number one, is born in the spirit of God. Your gift is born in the spirit of God. Again, here's what he says in verse seven. He says, but grace was given to each one of us, to every person that knows Christ personally, every single one of us, each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So if you've been saved, if there's been a moment you've put your faith in Jesus, if there's been a moment that you've asked Jesus to step out of heaven and step into your heart, God has given you a spiritual gift. He's given you a gift from him. It's a gift that has his fingerprints on it. It's a gift that has his DNA on it. And so just to describe that, let me give you a working definition of a spiritual gift. If you're taking notes, you may wanna write this down. Here's a definition of a spiritual gift. A spiritual gift is simply a supernatural ability that is given to all Christians to do God's work on this earth. A spiritual gift is a supernatural ability that's given to all Christians to do God's work on this earth. If you're a believer, you've got at least one spiritual gift. If you're a believer, there is something that God has placed inside of you that is meant to be used in the church and it will impact the world. You've got a gift. And honestly, I, I grew up in a culture that didn't talk a lot about spiritual gifts. And so when I went off to college and then when I went to seminary and then when, when I started traveling and I was in other kinds of church services and other, around other kinds of believers, it was new to me to think about spiritual gifts. It was outside of the norm. And so for me, I, it helped me to know what spiritual gifts are not. So let me just show you a few things that, that spiritual gifts are not. A, spiritual gifts are not the same thing as natural talents. They're not the same thing as natural talents. Uh, you could be talented in something and not have Christ living inside of you. And so God, you could be talented, but a spiritual gift isn't the same thing as a natural talent. You could be gifted to do something by God that's out of the norm of your personality. 
You could find yourself in a situation where you're serving God in a way that you never thought you would ever be able to do. It's a spiritual gift. And so at the moment of salvation, you're given at least one of those. And I think over time, God can give you more of those. It's not the same as talent. It can complement your natural talents, but it's different. So A, it's not the same thing as talent. B, it's not given to an elite few. Spiritual gifts aren't given just to an elite few. It's not like God's up in heaven saying, all right, you people are cool. You get spiritual gifts, but you people, you just get to watch, right? God's not up in heaven saying, all right, I'm gonna gonna give Hector all of the talents in the world. I'm gonna give him the ability to wear skinny jeans and deep V shirts. I tried that at the 9.30 hour and all I got was crickets. I looked at Chuck, I said, Chuck, I thought that'd be funny. And about that moment, I feel my phone vibrate and it was Hector texting, it's not funny. <laughs> so take that, Hector Cervantes. <laughs> right, God's not looking down and he's just saying, all right, I'm gonna give everybody, this group of people gifts. And not, so it's not natural talents, it's not given to elite few. See, it's not a sign of spiritual maturity. Spiritual gifts are not necessarily a sign of spiritual maturity. Sometimes people begin to put different values on different gifts. And it's like, well, if I have this, this gift, then, then it's more valuable than this other gift. Or, or I'm more spiritual, I'm closer to God. That's just not true. It's not connected to spiritual maturity. Here's another thing that, that spiritual gifts are not. Spiritual gifts are not the fruit of the Spirit. They're not the same thing as the fruit of the Spirit. So the fruit is, like if you look at Galatians chapter 5, There's nine fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those are fruits that come as a result of the Spirit of God living inside of us. Those aren't the same thing as gifts. Again, they work together, but they're not the same thing. I can't tell you how many times I've met somebody that are like, I just don't have the gift of love. I can't, I don't have the gift of love to love that person on 20 that didn't let me out. Maybe this sermon is just for me. I don't know, working through some things. Well, love is not a gift, love is a fruit. Every believer is called to have, if, if the Spirit of God lives inside of us, then we ought to be able to see that in the way that we live. So it's not the same thing as the fruits of the Spirit. And then the last one I'll give you is spiritual gifts are not something to be afraid of. They're not something to fear. Sometimes when you're, when you're not used to thinking about everybody has a gift from God, then it, it would be easy to think, well, that's different. I'm, I'm not used to that. And you could be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of spiritual gifts. Don't be afraid of how God has wired people. Sometimes we, when, when I talk about spirit, spiritual gifts, some of our minds went to an extreme example of it where you saw somebody with crazy hair and uh, crazy dress and you're like, ah, that just sounds weird to me. Well, spiritual gifts are not weird. There are some weird Christians, but spiritual gifts are not something to be afraid of. So point number one this morning is that they are birthed, they are born in the spirit of God. And the sad thing is that recent surveys show that over 80% of people that go to church in America do not know what their spiritual gift is. And so there's something that your heavenly father has given you. It's a gift, it's meant to be unwrapped, it's meant to be used, it's, it's meant to be used within the body to impact the world. But for many of us, we don't know what it is, so it's like keeping a gift and never unwrapping it. So my wife's birthday is in April, and so a year ago, so not this birthday, but the, 
birthday prior, my aunt sent Laura a birthday card with a check inside of it, a dollar per year. So it was a check for $31, right? And uh, Laura opens the card. She read the card. And for Laura, a card is all she needs. I mean, when she gets a card, she's like, the card is gift number one. And uh, uh, fortunately, uh, or unfortunately, I'm not as sweet that way. I'm like shaking the card or feeling, is there a card? You know, is there another card inside the card? But Laura, you know, she reads the card, it's sweet. The, there's the check inside there. And um, she didn't pay much attention to the check. She acknowledged it, but that wasn't the big deal to her. And so she put the card away. And about a month later, my aunt, I'm talking to my aunt on the phone. She's like, hey, did Laura get her card? And I was like, yeah, she loved it. My aunt says something to the effect, well, she hasn't cashed the check yet. I was like, huh, well, I'll ask her about it. About another month goes by, and I talk to my aunt again, and she's like, she still hasn't cashed the check. And, and so it turns out that the check is tucked away somewhere, you know, just somewhere in the house, and we don't really know where it is. And Laura's cool with that. She's just happy with the card. I'm thinking, let's tear the house apart. Because <laughs> that's a gift. It's got potential. <laughs> But, and it's just sitting there unused. And so I'm thinking, what can I do with $31? I can, we can go to Carabas and we can get the Polo Rosa Marie and we can get an appetizer. That would be a great use of $31. Or I could take it and not tell her and I could go buy a bunch of salted caramel cupcakes. That's a great use of $31. Or in Laura's case, she can go to Nine West and buy half a shoe for $31. <laughs> but it's a gift that's meant to be used. And so most believers don't know what their gift is. And so number one, it's born in the spirit of God. Number two, your spiritual gift, my spiritual gift is our basis for serving within the church. Your gift is the foundation of your serving. It's what you serve from. Listen to how Paul describes this as he's writing. Let me skip down to verse 12. In verse 11, he describes some of the gifts. These aren't all of the gifts. He describes in this particular passage, the gifts of ministry, but there's way more. And I'll give you references to those later and on this week's weekday podcast. But in verse 11, he talks about, um, he gave some as apostles and prophets and evangelists, shepherds and teachers. So that, that's not a complete list, but he describes those. But listen to what he says in verse 12. Here's the reason that God has given us these gifts to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Do you see that? He's given every believer at least one gift and it's meant to be unwrapped. It's meant to be used. It's meant to be cashed in. And he says, the reason why I've given you that gift is not just for you. It's like God says, I'm giving the gift to you, but it's not exclusively for you, the gift that I've given you is to be used within the body for the building up of the body of Christ. And so when we serve, when we talk about serving around here, we, we say three things around here all the time. We're like, the Bible is a big deal. Jesus is the biggest deal. And the way that we live those two things out or prove those two things are really what we believe is by serving here and around the world. Serving is not random. Serving isn't, hey, we've got a need. We just need to plug somebody into that need. Serving literally is that God's given all of us gifts and he's given us a variety of gifts and you're most fully alive and the church is most healthy when we take the gift that God's given us 
and we put it to work. We put it to work. Again, a lot of people don't know what their gift is. There's a lot of ways to sort of get at what your gift is. In fact, there's uh, an online sort of survey you can take if you're interested in taking that. Just send me a quick email, just bobby at sugarhillchurch.com. Shoot me a quick email, bobby at sugarhillchurch.com, and I'll send you that link this week. And then if you want to schedule a follow-up with me or one of our other pastors just to talk for like 15 minutes or 30 minutes about what that gift is, we'd be happy to do it. So you, you can take online assessments. My problem is I'm too optimistic when I take those tests. I'm just going to be honest. I'm too optimistic. So when I ask questions about would you like to see it, would you? I, I'm like, well, that's the kind of person I want to be. And so I end up putting fives on all of them. And by the time I get to the end of the test, it's like, you've got every spiritual gift. You are God's gift to the church. Why are you laughing, Ann? Yeah, have you been there? And so sometimes I suggest that spouses ought to take those tests for us because they'll take them more honestly, right? So there's a lot of ways to, but let me, let me give you an example that I can relate with. So the last year or two, I've been on this salted caramel, I don't know, addiction. I mean, cupcakes, pretzels, ice cream, I, I could take it all. And so let, let's just use salted caramel as an, as an example today. So say you're sitting at a table of like eight people and everybody's got their own salted caramel cupcake, which are heavenly. Um, say you're sitting there and you see that somebody's about to take a bite, but their cupcake's about to fall in their lap. So they pick up their fork or whatever, and they're about to dig into it, and it falls into their lap. What do you do next? What you do next may be an indicator of what your spiritual gift is, right? So if, if you see that, that cupcake tumble into their lap and they get it all over their shirt and on their pants, if you say to them, I can't believe you just did that. I saw that was gonna happen. I could see it coming a mile away and you got that all over you. I can't believe, if that's you, just raise your hand. Any of y'all, that's sort of your response or better yet, point at that person if they're around you. Just point at, yeah. So that, that may be a person that has the gift of prophecy. They see stuff black and white. They see stuff coming. Or if you're the person that immediately is trying to find napkins, a wet towel or something, hey, let me get that for you. Let me, let me, let me clean that up for you. How many of y'all that's you or point at that person, point at that person around you. That person may have the gift of service. They have the gift of service. Or if you're the kind of person that breaks it down, there's like, all right, I've been researching this and I found there's a better way to eat the cupcake. I've got three points of how to eat it. And yes, all the points start with the same letter, right? Step number one, if that's you, you might have the gift of teaching. You might have the gift of teaching. Or if, uh, if, if you immediately go into the mode, you're, you're like, I'm so sorry that happened to you. There was a time when I dropped the cupcake in my lap too. In fact, watch, let's all throw our cupcakes in our lap. <laughs> We've got more, right? If that's you, that, maybe you've got the gift of encouragement. Or if you're the kind of person that's like, uh, that's okay, that's okay, that's okay. We've got more cupcakes back here. Let me get you another cupcake. In fact, let me drizzle some more caramel sauce on top of it. If that's you, you may have the gift of giving. You may have the gift of giving. Or if you're the kind of person that's like, all right, let's just, all right, everybody pause for a second. We need you to get another table, you to get the rag. I've got a vision for a better kind of cupcake. If that's you, you may have the gift of leadership. Or if you're the kind of person that's like, oh, when I saw that, 
I felt so badly for you. I just, my heart broke for you. I thought about the potential of that cupcake and I wept a little. If that's you, you're the, you got the gift of mercy, right? You've got a gift. And the reason why God's given you that gift is not for you just to sit there and to watch things happen. God's given you a gift so that when you see something that's missing, you can step into the gap and say, I'm going to put my gifts to work. Your gift is meant for the church first and for the world impact. Your gift is meant to be used to serve other people. The gifts are never just about us. They're giving to us for the purpose of the body. And so we gotta know that our gifts are born in the spirit of God. Number two, they're the basis for us serving. And then number three, if you're tracking along with this, number three, they must be brought under supervision. They must be brought under supervision. Here's what I mean. As Paul's talking, he says down in verse 16, he says in verse 16, he says, from whom the whole body, the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What Paul is saying is, look, when we aren't using our gifts, there's something missing from the body. He says, when the gifts are working, right? When we take the gifts that God's placed inside of us, when we put those to work within the body, the body becomes healthy, the body grows. And as a byproduct, the body is unified. But when there's a piece of the body that isn't functioning, or when there's a piece of the body that's functioning, but not in a healthy way, it doesn't just affect that piece of the body, it affects the whole body. If part of your body decides, I'm just not gonna work today, or I'm gonna work, but I'm not gonna work inside of you, I'm just gonna go over here and do my own thing, your whole body is affected. So you may be doing a good thing. You may have a gift that's a great gift, but used the wrong way, spiritual gifts can have a dark side. It'd be like if this morning I got up and my spleen decided, Bobby, I don't wanna be part of your body today because I know that you're gonna go eat salted caramel cupcakes later, so I don't like those. So I'm gonna get out of you and I'm gonna go over here and I'm gonna spleen by myself. I have no idea what a spleen does. It just sounds funny, doesn't it? I'm just gonna spleen. But what happens when part of your body decides not to work is the whole body suffers because of it. You've got a gift that's born in the spirit of God. It's the basis for serving within the body of God. Number three, it must be brought under the supervision because we need them to be connected in an efficient way. If all you have is one gift and you don't couple it with the other gifts, there's something dangerous about that. And then finally, number four, as we think about your spiritual gift, number four, it is built through your spiritual life. Your spiritual gift is built, it's deepened, it's developed through your private spiritual life. In verses 13 and 14, he talks about the fact that we need to grow up. He says, until we all, you take, uh, uh, again, the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God to the mature man. So he's saying there's this process, we're to grow up, we're to mature. 
to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children who are tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by the craftiness and deceitful schemes. He's saying it's time for us to grow up. And again, in the first three chapters, he gives them all of this heady knowledge that God has rescued us from darkness. He's placed us in delight. And so when we get to chapter four and we think about spiritual giftingness, what Paul begins to show us is that our gift is an outflow of what Jesus has done inside of us. It's dangerous to publicly work for God when we don't privately worship God. It's dangerous to make our giftingness only about what we do on Sundays or publicly, and it's not, and it's not fueled by our private walk with God. If you wanna develop your gift, if you wanna deepen your gift, it's not built on a platform in front of people, it's built in our private lives. And so today, if we wanna become more intentional, we want to take the random out of acts of kindness, I think the missing ingredient is for us to know that we have gifts, to know what that gift is, and to put it to work. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.